This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org live. Now, on to the message. All right. Well, we are going to, um, we're going to kick in to week three of our legacy uh, series. We're going to continue in that vein. Pastor Craig and Monia are north preaching this week. And uh, and then we're going to flip-flop next week. That's why they're not up here praying uh, with us this morning. Um, But before we kick into the message, I want you to check out the screen. Uh, We have a great uh, testimony from Anatoly. So check this out. My name is Anatoly. I own a small business. I do architecture and I serve in Victory Faith doing Russian translation. This whole concept of being a kingdom builder really touched me because I'm not a good preacher. I'm not a musician. Um, I don't know. I'm not a missionary. I'm too introvert to start a life group. And and when our pastors start speaking about kingdom building, it is I I knew that it was mine. It's my calling. Uh, God kind of run, runs my business. He finds me good employees. He finds me grateful customers. I mean, without this blessing, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I think there is a lot of people who struggle to find identity in, in ministry. Like God has gifted you with a blessing of wealth and money and you could be minister with that. I found my ministry, I'm a kingdom builder. That's awesome, I love that, I love that. Um, Anatoly does our Russian translation here at Victory Faith. He's been doing that for eight years. So, um, and it's a huge benefit to so many. We have so many uh, people that come that uh, just speak Russian. And so he interprets, he has literally preached every message that we have preached for eight years. So... I think God's kind of setting him up as somebody who said he's not a very good preacher. I mean, he preaches every single week. Um, but we have, we have a tremendous need in that area for people to come alongside of Anatoly and help with Russian translation. So we're looking for one or two other key people who would be willing to do that. Obviously, the prerequisite is you have to speak Russian. So, um, but if you do speak Russian... Um, Honestly, see myself or see Anatoly, um, connect with him. Uh, honestly, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to serve. You don't have to be in front of people. You can be in a room with a little mic and you can just uh, be used by God to be able to allow the word of God uh, to land uh, into hearts here at Victory Faith. Amen? Awesome. Uh, well, grab your Bibles and... Uh, Get ready. We're going to go into a message this morning where we're going to talk about money. Everybody loves money, right? And the Bible has a lot to say about money. And maybe you're brand new to church. You're like, great. I come to church on the Sunday where they're talking about money. Absolutely, we're going to talk about money. And the reason is because the Bible and Jesus had a lot to say about it. And, and money actually has this ability to show us a lot about ourselves and a lot about other people. If you want to know what's important to you, uh, just look where your money goes and then you're going to find it. 
right? If you want to see what's important to other people, look where they spend their money, and you're going you're to learn that. Even if you, know, you don't know somebody, just watch where they spend their money, and you'll, you'll know what's important, what's of value to them. I remember when I was 16 years old, I got my first car. It was a 1978 Dodge Aspen. It was ugly as all get out. It was maroon color. It had had an engine fire, uh, so we had to, we, we, we painted the, the hood with spray paint. We went black on the hood and uh, put a, a used motor inside of that thing. And I had uh, just enough money in the bank, um, but I needed to spend that money in one of two directions. I was either gonna buy insurance for my car or I was either gonna buy a stereo system for my car. I could not afford to be able to do both. So I chose the stereo, okay? So I spent what little money I had left, not on insurance so I could drive my car, but on an Alpine tape deck stereo system, you know, six by nine speakers in the back. I mean, everything fitted out. So this car was just gonna be awesome. And I couldn't drive my car, but every day for the next month or two until I saved up enough money for insurance, I was able to go out in, in my driveway and sit in that car and I was able to rock out. And you might be thinking to me, why in the heck would you spend your money like that? Because honestly, in that moment, a stereo was more important to me than actually driving my car. We all spend money in a multiplicity of different ways and it's easy to judge other people. I can't believe how much money he spends on golf. I can't believe how much money they spend on hunting. I can't believe how much money she spends on shoes. I can't believe, you know, and we've all, we all have money and we all spend it in various ways, right? And it shows us something about what we value. That's why the Bible speaks so much about finances and about money. When we look at Jesus, in the New Testament and through the Gospels, we see that Jesus talked about, uh, about money just about more than anything else. It was one of his favorite topics that he talked about. We have 38 parables in the New Testament, stories that Jesus told, and 16 of those stories center around money and finances and stewardship not just connected to money, but Jesus knew something. He knew that if he could bring up the idea of money, that people's interest would be piqued. And then Jesus could talk about the kingdom. He could talk about love. He could talk about forgiveness. He could talk about the enemy. He could bring up, but, but he used money as one of the key ways to be able to communicate kingdom truths to people. For example, if you just go and you look at Jesus talking about what the kingdom was like, Jesus said the kingdom of God is, is like this. It's like a man who went and was digging in the middle of a field and he found a great treasure in the midst of that field. And so he covered up the treasure and he went back home and he sold everything that he had to purchase that field because of the great costly treasure that was in the middle of the field. The kingdom of God, he said, is just like that. If you want to know what forgiveness is like, Jesus said it's like this. It's like when you owe somebody a whole bunch of money and you can't pay it back and that person chooses to forgive the financial debt that you have, that's like forgiveness. And you're supposed to forgive other people just like that. So when somebody owes you money and you forgive that debt, that is what forgiveness looks like. 
What does faithfulness look like? Jesus said, faithfulness is like this. It's like when your employer goes out of town and leaves you with a bunch of money and he comes back and you have taken the money that he's given to you and you've used it to multiply and make more money. That's what faithfulness looks like. Well, what, is, what does our enemy look like? The enemy is like a thief who comes into your house to steal all your money. What does conversion look like? Salvation. Salvation, Jesus said, it's like a woman who had a very costly coin and she loses the coin. She can't find it. And so she turns the house up and down and all over and searches, moves everything until she finds the precious coin. And when she finds it, she calls all her friends and she throws a party for the lost valuable coin has been found that's what Jesus used to be able to talk about salvation. He would pique their interest in the area of finances. Jesus knew our propensity towards loving this thing called money. That it would draw at our heart. It would draw at our affections. He knew that if we didn't get things in right order, we would actually worship money. We would actually give ourselves to this. We would be slaves to this thing called money. It would be a God in our life. Jesus understood that. The, 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 God understood that. And so in the Bible, God gives us this wonderful principle that we're going to unpack that is probably not unfamiliar to most that are in the room, but it would be a great refresher to be able to look at. God gives us this thing in the Bible called the tithe. And he gives us the principle and the theology of the tithe in order to properly deal with our hearts in relationship to God and in relationship to money. God institutes the tithe to keep us in right alignment. So pick it up, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. It says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The word tithe means 10th. So what it's saying is this, all the tithe of the land, 10% of, of the abundance that comes from the land, whether the seed of the land, whether the fruit of the tree, that 10%, that tithe is the Lord's. And that tithe is not just the Lord's, but it's holy. Like the Sabbath is holy and is reserved for worship and for God, the tithe itself is holy and the tithe is the Lord's. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse four says, you shall give him the first fruits of your grain and the first fruits of your new wine and your oil and the first shearing of your sheep. The tithe is not just the, is not just the tenth, it is the first tenth. It is the principle of the first fruits. And what the principle is showing us all through the scripture is that when we have increase in our lives, whatever increase we have, the first tenth of that belongs to the Lord and it is holy. 
Now, I'm teaching this to my kids when they're, they're young because we raise chickens and they sell the eggs. And it's a great opportunity to be able to teach them about saving and spending and to be able to teach them the biblical principle of the tithe. And so I'm talking to one of my kids when they're young, they're like six years old, and they've got 10 bucks in their hand. That $10 they made from selling chicken eggs. Okay, and they've got that $10 and I'm like, okay, justice, listen, nine of that is yours and that one belongs to the Lord. And you can see the confusion in his eyes and you can also see the immediate greed in his eyes as well. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but all of that is mine because I sold the eggs and mom gave me the $10. This $10 is mine. That paycheck is mine. All of it is mine. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the tithe was never yours. It was never mine. It was ne it's holy, it's the Lord's. Justice, that $1 was never yours. He's like, it was, I had it in my hands. Yes, but it is set apart, it is holy to God. That is God's portion of the increase. And man, if we can catch that revelation, because with the increase that we have in our lives, it's, it's a lot different when you recognize it's God's and you're just giving to him what is his. Rather than if it's yours and God's asking you for something that's yours, do you realize that with the tithe? God's just saying, I just want, I want the portion that's dedicated to me that never belongs to you. If you make $1,000, you really made 900 because that 100 is holy to the Lord. It's the Lord's portion. I can tell you're excited. Proverbs chapter three and verse nine says, honor the Lord." with the capital and sufficiency and with the first fruits of all of your income, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty. The tithe is the Lord's, the tithe is holy, and the tithe is one of the ways in which out of relationship with God that we bring him honor. We honor God with the tithe. It is not some religious duty and expectation. It is something that is done out of relationship and is simply honoring him with that which is his. The beautiful thing about the tithe, and Jesus knew this and the Lord knew this, is it deals with our hearts. It deals with our selfishness. It deals with our greed. It deals with our waywardness. It deals with that, that, that side of us that wants to put our trust and our hope and our confidence in this. And God's like, I want your trust. I want your hope. I want your confidence. I don't want you to be looking to money. I want you to be looking to me. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. God wants to be first in our lives. And so with finances and with increase, he says one of the ways you're gonna keep your heart right is you're going to, when I bring increase into your life, you're gonna, before you do anything, you're gonna bring to me what is mine, keeping your heart in alignment with my ways. A lot of people, when they hear about the tithe, they think, well, that was a part of the law, which it 
was and is, and therefore we are not under the law, therefore we do not have to tithe today. And I wanna take you back in time, way before the law was ever instituted, and I wanna show you the principle of the first fruits and the principle of the tithe existed long before the law ever existed. And we'll go right back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter four. Pick it up in verse one. Adam and Eve had a son. Eve said, I'll name him Cain because I got him with help of the Lord. Later, she had another son and named him Abel. And Abel became a sheep farmer. But Cain farmed the land. One day, Cain gave part of the harvest to the Lord. And Abel also gave an offering to the Lord. Note the words. And he killed the firstborn lamb from one of his sheep and gave the Lord the best parts of it. Now check this. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but not with Cain and his offering. Now, logic would say, come on, both guys brought you an offering. And who are you to sit on your mighty throne in heaven above and say, I liked this offering, but I don't accept that offering. Like what, you ever wondered? Like, what, like why is that? Okay, this makes Cain angry and he couldn't hide his feelings. And God comes to him and he says, he says, listen, you can still do what is right like your brother. You can still do what's right, but listen, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to master you, but you must master it. But Cain gives in to his anger, gives in to his jealousy, and as you probably know with the story, Cain would then kill his brother Abel over this whole issue of bringing their offerings to the Lord. And both of their offerings reveal the condition of their hearts. Abel brings the first. Abel brings the best portions. Cain just brought an offering whenever he got to it and whatever it was. One of them was honoring God with the tithe, was honoring God with his first portion out of relationship. The other did not. One was acceptable, the other was not. One was full of gratitude and honor to God, the other was not. And that was what God was after. Hebrews chapter 11 picks it up. And it says, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Way before the law, the principle of the first fruits is very clear in the scripture that God wants the first and the best portion of all of our increase because it is holy to the Lord's. Abraham the father of all who believe, would come along. And Abraham, in Genesis chapter 14, comes back from a war and has all the spoils of war, like all of this wealth, all of this increase. And he approaches a man in Genesis 14, you can go read about it, a man by the name of Melchizedek, who was actually the king of Salem. King of Salem means king of peace. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. If you read Genesis chapter 14 and you go read uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and combine the two, you'll get the whole story. But he approaches this man named Melchizedek who the Bible says had no beginning 
and had no end. He had no genealogy. He has always just existed. Hebrews actually calls him a priest. Hebrews actually says that Jesus was, was one who came along in the priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is an Old Testament picture of Jesus in the Old Testament showing up. It was a supernatural, the, the fact that he was there, king of peace, king of righteousness. What he symbolized was the priesthood. What he symbolized was a foreshadowing of Jesus who would be the ultimate high priest who would come. Okay, And so Abram, with all of his spoils, comes to Melchizedek, who represents the priesthood, and he gives him a tenth of all that he got from the spoils of war in honor of God. Fast forward, Jacob, his grandson, out of relationship with God, would say this. He said, God, if you will be with me, if you will be my God, I will give you a tenth of all that I have and all that I get. We see in Abram and in Jacob, 430 years before the law, the principle of the first fruits, the principle of the tithe, the principle of this is your portion, God, and this is holy. We see it all the way back with Cain and Abel, and then we see it manifested absolutely in the Old Testament law. Tithing is about our hearts. Tithing is about trust. God says, I, I, every time you've got increase and you honor me with it, it reinforces the fact to you that I am your provider. Not your job. I am your provider. I am your source. It reinforces the fact that I am supreme and I am first. I get the best portion and the first portion. I am your provider. I am the one who's made a way for you. I have given you the ability to, 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 to make wealth and to have increase. It's about trust because it's easy to trust in money especially if you have a lot of it. If you have a lot of money, it's easy to put your trust in it. If I am financially secure, then I am secure, which is a lie because what you have can be gone just as easily as you got it. It's easy to feel important if you've got a lot of money, but God's like, you missed the point. I want you to know who you are in me. I don't want money to be your God. I wanna be the one who gives you importance. I wanna be the one who gives you security. I wanna be the one who gives you gratification. And God knew that, that our hearts would be drawn to stuff and specifically money, the love of money. The Bible says that it is, it's, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. There's nothing, there's nothing, money is immoral. Money is neither good nor bad. In period, in different times in church history, the church has, 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 has preached that money's bad. Money is not bad. Money's good. Money buys you food. Money pays your bills. Money is neutral. The love of money is not good. When, 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 and, and, and what he means by the love of money is that place where we, we worship it, that place where we put our trust and our hope and our confidence in it, that, that, that place where, where we can never satisfy, it's never enough, get more, get more, get more. That's not the way we were called to live. But from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, you will see that God's people that walked faithfully with him, they would walk in blessing financially and they would walk in prosperity. You do not have to be poor to follow Jesus. Okay? 
Jesus is just saying, listen, God is saying, listen, I just wanna be number one in your life. And every time we bring that first portion, it reinforces dependency, trust, confidence. You're my provider. Think about how, how much we think about money. Think about how much you have. Think about how much you don't have. How much we worry about money, right? How much we fight over money. Number one and number two killers of marriages are the topic of sexuality and money. Two things that are so dear to our hearts. But Jesus talked way more about money than he ever did about sexuality. I believe there's nothing greater that can grab at our hearts. Jesus said, man, it is so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because they put their hope and their trust in their money. It's easier for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He's not saying somebody who's rich and who's, who's in proper alignment. No, no, he's saying somebody who's rich who has put their hope and their trust and their confidence in riches. And that's where we need the balance of the message. God wants us to have wealth. God wants us to have more than enough. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. He just doesn't want us to worship it and put our hope and our trust in it. Tithing is one of God's greatest ways that he will bring increase into our lives. The way that God will multiply what we have, one of the great promises attached to honoring God with that first portion and bringing the first fruits to him is that it comes with a multiplied blessing from God to us. Malachi chapter three and verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe, into the storehouse. Modern day, that would be into the house that you're a part of, the church. Bring it into the storehouse. Why? That there might be food in my house. And then he goes on, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And here's the promise. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. If you honor me, with that portion that's already mine, if you, if, you, if you treat that as holy and you bring that to me, I will, based on that principle, throw open the blessing that will come upon all the rest of your income and all that you have. That's what he says. I'll prevent pests from devouring it, your crops, your vines. They will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. And here it is, then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. See, God's kingdom, God's view of math is way different than our view of math, right? Common core math, my kids are being taught, it's very confusing. When I grew up, it was, math was simple, okay? I can get to the answer much quicker than any of my children. It takes like two pages to get to the, like I can show you a better, quicker way, right? We're talking about kingdom core math. It's different, it doesn't make sense. So I have $10, little justice. He makes $10. 
And he honors God with that which is his. So now he's got $9. But not just nine, it seems like a decrease. I've decreased, I've went down. But no, the blessing of God comes on the $9 and it increases. And so let's say that God turns the nine into 18. Well, now I had 10, I could keep 10, but if I honor God and he blesses it, now I have 18. How is that math? It's supernatural. It's the kingdom of God. It's been the journey of so many of the people that are in this room watching online as you've, been, as you've understood this revelation and you've walked in it, the blessing and the favor of God comes. If I keep it all, if I keep God's portion and I shove it in my, it's all mine, I sold the eggs. And God says, not only are you robbing me of my portion, but the blessing that could have been there It ain't there. It's not there. And I don't know about you, but I would, rather, I would rather be in the blessing of God. I would rather be in that place of covenant and trust in him. Listen, you can lose your job and not fear because God's your provider and not your job. Not your bank accounts. Easier to say when you have a job than when you don't, right? Easier to say when the bank account's full than if the bank account's like, we just overdrafted. But God is like, I am your source, the source of provision, the source of salvation, the source of healing, the source of deliverance. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. God's like, the only thing I want from you is everything. I just want to be number one. And all other things will be second to me. So, the ble- so when we honor God and he's first, the blessing comes and we actually have abundance, but our heart is in the right place. And then from that place, that's when generosity starts. Andrew Denton last week said, if all you do is tithe, you're not a generous person. And what he meant by that was, if you, if you, just, if you give God his portion, that's not called generosity. That's called honoring God with the tithe. What he was saying is that the tithe is good and we should do that. But there's a place where when the blessing of God comes, generosity is when I take what's mine and I begin to bless other people with it. The Abrahamic blessing, that we would be a blessing so that what? So that we could have way more stuff and we could, than anybody else and we could just be like, look at how much stuff I got. No, that we would be blessed so that we could be a blessing. So you can buy a single mom a car because God has blessed your finances. You can help pay for somebody's food. You can pay for a kid to go to a college they would never ever be able to go to. Send someone on a mission trip. Help fund some soup kitchen downtown. Like whatever, because the favor and the blessing of God has come upon that portion that is ours as we have honored God with that portion which is his. It's absolutely kingdom core math. It doesn't make sense, but it absolutely works. We find it in the law, but we see it way back with Cain and Abel, way back with the father of all who believe, way back with Abram and and with Jacob. It's out of relationship and it's out of connection. And I have to remind myself of that because there are times where we will tithe through the app 
to victory faith. And there's times where I just push that button and nothing's happened in my heart. I've just done my duty and, and, and I've missed it. Yes, I've honored God with it, but more than, more than the money, it's the, it's the heart connected to that that God is looking for. He's looking for both of those. Like honor me, but not, not just with the, the portion that's mine, but honor me with your heart. Don't let it just be religion. Don't just let it be something that, you know what I mean? That we just get into and, 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 and there's no life and there's no connection and there's no heart in it. What if the greatest blessing from God to you is waiting on your or my obedience to simply give him the first portion and the best portion that is wholly set apart to him. Let me end with this scripture because I know in the back of somebody's mind, they're thinking, yeah, Jesus talked a lot about money, but Jesus really didn't talk about, about tithing. Again, that's really just something in the Old Testament. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus in talking to the Pharisees says, yes, woe to you Pharisees and other religious leaders, hypocrites, Jesus meek and mild, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but you ignore the important things, justice, mercy, and faith. And then he says, yes, you should tithe. Yes, you should. You're doing it right, but where you've missed it in your heart is that you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. Jesus is saying, absolutely you should tithe. Absolutely that's honoring to God. But, but you guys are over here honoring him with that, but you're not showing any love and compassion and mercy and justice for people. And he's not saying either or, he's saying both and. Absolutely honor God with your finances, but live a life of honor by not just loving God, but by loving other people. That's how he's called us to live. And if you are honest with yourself, this simple thing called money has this funny way of creeping into our lives and trying to draw us away to put our hope and our trust and our confidence and our affection and our desires and to become so focused on it. Even when we know all this, we can, we can get wayward. We can be drawn away again to the things of the world. You're scrolling, looking at everybody else as, and we, we get our eyes off of our provider and we get our eyes onto stuff and we begin to be led astray. And it's, it's, it, it can happen in anybody's life. Like you could be faithful tither for, for the first 10 years of serving Jesus and then something gets in your heart and you begin to, you begin to grab a hold. You'd be like, it's mine. It's, it's all mine, Right? You shove it in your pocket. It's like, what just happened? Like, what just took, like, what, what is it from culture that somehow drew you away from kingdom culture? Maybe you've never participated in tithing. Now would be a great opportunity to do that in this season of life and take God at his word and see if he won't just throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on your finances. Maybe you used to tithe. But you've gotten to that place where you bought into the lie that's circulating around a generation that's not really biblical. And we like that it's not biblical because it means that we don't have to give. Like we, we like to create theology and belief around things, right, that, that justify. But maybe it's time to re-examine and go, man, I, I used to be so faithful with that. I used to be so consistent. 
Or maybe, maybe you are a faithful tither, but maybe when the check is written or the money is given or the, the text on the phone happens, maybe my heart isn't attached to it like what it once was. I can sing a song and sing the words and my heart cannot be connecting to Jesus. I can give my tithe and my heart cannot connect to Jesus. But there's nothing more beautiful than honoring him with that first holy portion and bringing our hearts in humility, saying, God, you are first in my life. Amen? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The number one thing maybe you need to hear this morning is that God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be your God. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to know his love and his mercy. Listen, the Bible says that every single one of us as human beings, like sheep that have wandered from their shepherd, we have all gone astray. We have all wandered from God's path, God's standard of living. The Bible says all have, fallen, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all separated ourselves from a holy God by participating in the sinful things of a broken world. And this is what Jesus in his life and in his death and his resurrection came to do as a man. He came to live the life, the perfect life that I couldn't live. He came as a man to die in my place and take sin's penalty and punishment on that cross so that I could be forgiven and Jesus would raise from the dead so that I, by putting my faith and my trust in him, I could have new life and eternal life. Maybe you've been carrying around the weight and the guilt and the heaviness of the life that you've been living and the dark ways that you've been participating in. I'm here to tell you, friend, God knows you, God loves you, and the number one thing he wants is your heart. The number one thing he wants is to be your God and to be in relationship with you. He wants to lift the weight and the burden that's crushing you of your own sin. And he wants you to know his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. by believing, by believing, by putting our faith and our hope and our trust in what Jesus did, we can be saved. I wonder this morning if you're in this room and you realize it's your time to say yes to Jesus, would you be bold and just lift your hand in the presence of the Lord and say, that's me, thank you. Anyone else, thank you, thank you. You're just like, it's my time, man. It's my, God, I wanna make you first. In my life, I want you to be my God. I wanna, I wanna serve you. Maybe you've, you've been far from God for, for a long season and God's calling you back to that place of, of trust and faith in him. You could raise your hand in the presence of the Lord as well. Say, God, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. I'm, I'm returning. I wanna return to my first love. This morning, I wanna lead us in a prayer of confession. And I want you to take the faith that's stirring in your heart and I want you to pray out after me. And as a church, we're gonna pray with those of you that make this prayer this morning. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So pray with me this morning for those that are making this decision and, and Victory Faith, let's join with them this morning. Pray with me. Jesus, I need you. And I ask right now that you would come into my life and that you would be my God. I confess that I am a sinner and I am in need of your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And I pray right now 
by faith that you would come into my life and that you would cleanse me from all my sin. I put my faith and my trust in you this morning. God, I say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together this morning for those that made that decision. Come on, church, why don't we stand together and as the team leads us, why don't we just take these next few moments and just in a fresh and a new way, just say, God, everything I have is yours.